It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, guys, you are Locked On Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. We're going to be talking about offensive line roster moves, Brandon Fusco going down for the season, the signing of Reese Odiambo, Sean Harlow's return, as well as talking a little bit about some trade possibilities, particularly one in particular, one Carl Joseph. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily podcast on the Atlanta Falcons, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years at Falcfans.com, on Twitter at Falcfans, and, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast. I know I promised that the I would do a recap episode of, um, you know, the, the Giants game, but we'll, we'll punt that till tomorrow. Full disclosure, I, I wasn't able to schedule a guest to do that. Uh, the, the, you know, having a Monday night game threw off the, the week schedule, the bye week throws off, but the, the value of that is, you know, there are no rules or anything like that. So we don't have to necessarily adhere to these things this week. So that's the plan, um, moving forward. And so we get back to the, what is the bread and butter of this podcast going into the minutia of roster moves. That's what we live for, for all you roster nerds out there. All five of you that subscribe to this podcast, along with myself, that is really what we're going to be talking about. So I touched a little bit on sort of Fusco and Garland on yesterday's podcast, so definitely go check that out. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but we'll we'll talk a little bit about Sean Harlow's return to the roster. We'll talk about Reese Odiambo's uh, being signed off the Colts practice squad. Touch a little bit on Jermaine Grace. We didn't get an opportunity to really talk about that on the podcast last week. And uh, I'll save my rant against why I don't necessarily think the Carl Joseph trade makes a lot of sense, in my opinion, uh, for the end of the show. So without further ado, let's talk about the injury to Fosco. I'm not necessarily, to be honest with you, I'm not necessarily as broken up about this season injury as I have been for some others. Uh, You know, I want to pay, you know, I don't want to. Say it, phrase it, or pay my respects, but you know, I I should, um, you know, Fusco's worked hard throughout his career, and it's a shame that he's gotten injured. But you know, I can't deny the fact that I've been underwhelmed with his performance this season. I thought he was a decent start in that Philly game for the first like three and a half quarters, and then really struggled down the stretch in that game, and was pretty solid against Carolina, and has had his moments in other games, but for the most part, I think his performance has been pretty underwhelming and so you know losing him for the rest of the season I don't necessarily feel like that's going to be a huge negative we'll have to sort of see what Bing Garland does again judging from the second half at least the stat sheets again I haven't watched the film of the Giants game but the stat sheets of the second half of the Giants game the pass protection was better in the second half the running run blocking was better in the second half with Fusco out of the lineup is that due to Bing Garland being an upgrade there maybe uh, Garland wasn't great in his stint last year as a replacement for Andy Levitri at left guard. I'm not necessarily going to hold my breath that he's going to be great this year as a replacement for Fusco over the course of nine starts. Um, but, you know, there's a possibility out there. And the argument I made on yesterday's episode 
was the fact that Garland is much better as a second level blocker than Fusco is, better than Schweitzer is. And so that has been a missing element from this Falcons running game with Levitri out of lineup, who's really good there, with Chris Chester no longer with the team who was excellent there. Alex Mack hasn't been the same player on, in terms of his success as a second level blocker um, as he was in previous years this year. So I think, you know, getting Garland in the lineup, maybe that does a little bit better job creating some of those creases on the second level because he's able to take out some linebackers. We saw that uh, against the Giants on that 30-yard touchdown run by Tevin Coleman. Um, and, and sort of, you know, Freeman has been the running back that has been really good at taking advantage of those creases that opens up on the second level. And without him in the lineup, I think that's been a reason why the running game hasn't quite clicked to the level that we would hope it would. But maybe Garland is able to infuse and get a little bit better there and Maybe Coleman can take a little bit better advantage of those this year than he has in previous years. One of the knocks on Coleman has been that sort of lacking that patience, lacking that balance, lacking that vision to really take advantage of those creases on the second level. And it's been arguably maybe why Edo Smith has sort of outproduced him the last couple of weeks, at least in terms of the running efficiency um, these last couple of weeks. And so I thought Coleman has made significant strides from what he was at the beginning of his Falcon career where he was just, you know, a bullet shot out of a gun or, you know, a cannonball shot out of a cannon uh, as soon as he got the handoff and, and not showing that patience and balance. And I thought he did that early in the season. I think as the season has worn on, he hasn't quite shown that same sort of patience that we saw in those first couple of games, particularly that Carolina game, that Philadelphia game that I thought he, he, and he also showed in the preseason. And I think maybe that is owed to the fact that the blocking quite hasn't been there. And so he doesn't have the time. He basically feels like, oh, these holes aren't going to develop. So I have to hit them as soon as possible. Um, and that has led to some issues with the running game, potentially. Maybe. I don't know. This is all speculation on my part. So maybe the Falcons running game can get on track a little bit more with Garland, at least have a little bit more highs, not necessarily be more consistent or whatever. Um, with Garland in the lineup, we'll have to sort of see if the Falcons make further moves to address uh, this roster with Fusco, not officially on IR, but presumably going on IR with a season-ending broken ankle. And with the team's decision to cut Zach Karen, uh, they filled one. They, they opened two roster spots. They filled one of those with Reese Odiambo uh, being signed off the Colts practice squad, and we'll talk about that in a minute as well as some potential other moves that maybe the Falcons can make to presumably fill that other roster spot, presumably being an offensive lineman as well in just a moment. But I do want to let you guys know first that the NBA season is here and you can be locked on with all 30 NBA teams, including the Atlanta Hawks with host Brad Rowland, host of Locked on Hawks. You can find that podcast and the other 29 Locked on NBA podcasts wherever you get your Locked on podcasts your NBA team every day. Now, don't you guys love a night out and maybe you want to go out there and see your favorite band or head to the theater or be there in person for the next Falcon home game cheering them on in the crowd and now you can with Vivid Seats. You can attend any concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seat is the top choice for all live events that you want to go to. You can sort by price or look at the seats in the section or row of your choice. And to make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving our listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off of orders of $200 or more to save you even more money. Go to the App Store. Go to Google Play. Download that Vivid Seats app right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $20 off of orders of $200 or more. 
as a new customer of Vivid Seats, every purchase that you make on Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more Vivid Seats has it all. Go ahead, download the app, enter the promo code Locked On for $20 off of orders of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats so you can make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So the addition of Riso Diabo is not necessarily a move that necessarily moves the needle to, in my eyes, all I know about Riso Diabo is he was the guy that sort of got plugged in to that uh, Seahawks game back in 2016 in the playoffs and really struggled, made a lot of mistakes in that game. Uh, Brooks Reed took advantage of him quite a, a, a bit at times. So, you know, he's well-versed in the zone blocking scheme, but this isn't necessarily a move that moves the needle. And my hope was when I saw the news earlier today, uh, Tuesday afternoon, that the Falcons were bringing back Sean Harlow to the practice squad rather than the roster. That meant that the team was going to go after a veteran with one Roster spot presumably remaining um, when the team um, puts Fusco officially on IR he, today as you're listening to this or tomorrow at some point this week, one would assume um, that, you know, maybe they can go out there and get that veteran player, player that I would look at, maybe a guy like um, Jonathan Cooper. He makes a lot of sense. Started 13 games last year for the Cowboys, uh, signed by the 49ers this offseason, was cut by them at the end of the training camp from what I understand, was dealing with some injuries issues and, and the 49ers went in another direction. Look, Kyle Shanahan loves him some Mike Person, who's currently starting for the 49ers at right guard. So, um, you know, I'm not going to necessarily be like, if he got cut by Kyle Shanahan, that means he's a bad player. Um, you know, Team James Stone for life. But, uh, you know, if, if Cooper's not the guy, then we'll sort of see, you know, they could go after Austin Pastor, they can go after Jamil Douglas. He's on the Titans practice squad. We'll have to sort of see... Uh, what the Falcons do at that position as well. But, you know, those are some moves I'd like to see. As for Sean Harlow coming back, I think this is, you know, I've been a fan of this. I've been railing against cutting Sean Harlow. You guys know I spent many a podcast in August talking about this very subject. But just for anybody that has picked up the podcast over the last couple of months and, and missed those, basically my argument was not because I thought Sean Harlow was a superstar in the making or whatnot, but like to me, what I sort of see Sean Harlow's ceiling is basically is what sort of what Ben Garland has been to the team, this sort of utility backup player. That to me is a ceiling. Like there's a sliver of a chance that maybe he's more than that. I wouldn't even say that it's like a good bet that he's going to be Ben Garland 2.0, but I would sit here and be like, there's I think there's a decent possibility. I think his play on the field over the last two summers has been solid for a, you know, second slash third string uh guard and rookie player. It takes time to develop offensive alignment. But the argument I basically made, or at least was trying to make, you know, now that the clarity of, of a couple of months now that I can look back and make a, a more detailed argument, um, was basically like, to me, keeping Sean Harlow for at least one more summer and seeing if he could become that Ben Garland 2.0 
by, you know, something clicks for him by August of 2019 and be that guy to me was worthwhile. And to me, the alternative of, say, keeping up someone like a Ty Sambrello or keeping an Austin Pastor or keeping a, a Jamil Douglas instead of that, to me, just didn't have the sort of future potential payoff that I thought keeping Harlow for one more summer at the very least to see if, if he could sort of turn it on and flip that switch um, was to me. Because we've seen Sambrello play, you know, whether you choose to or not, you have been indoctrinated uh, by listening to this podcast into the church of Tyson Brillo is not particularly good at football. Um, you know, Pastor and Jamil Douglas are journeyman guys. I like Pastor, but he didn't necessarily, you know, move the needle this um, summer with his performance to make me think that, oh yeah, this is a guy that can be a long-term fit for the team. And so like, to me, that was part of it where it was just like, you, you know, basically all three of those guys, you know, you're going to replace at some point, whether it's Gano or another draft pick, those guys are basically stopgap players. And at least with Harlow, there's at least a slim possibility, whether it's 10% or 15% or, or 25%, that you know he could play out the rest of his rookie contract and play out beyond further than that and be a valuable depth piece. And that, to me, is much, much worth more than what any of those other three guys, Sam Brelo, Douglas, or um, Pastor, bring you in not only in the short term, but certainly long term. And so that, to me, is why I was you know on hashtag team Harlow this summer and sort of advocating his uh, being retained on the, on the Falcons roster. And if they can sort of retain him on the practice squad for the remainder of the season and sort of keep him and, and sort of still have that potential plan or that outcome play out, I think it's, it's still worthwhile. So I'm happy to see that, you know, Jermaine Grace was another guy that I sort of railed against the team letting go last um, fall in, in this past off season. And as I argued back then, uh, you know, the argument I made was sort of like the draft picks that you used on Edo Smith and Voya Olakun, you didn't necessarily have to use on draft picks this year and could have used at other positions of need. Um, and because if you had retained Brian Hill and, and Jermaine Grace, you could have used that. Now, you know, the counter argument that several people have made to me is like, well, Edo Smith and, and Foye Olakun are better than those two guys. So the Falcons upgraded and like, look, I, you know, there's. All the evidence we've seen so far based off of Edo Smith's performance, Ola Kuhn's performance on the field, definitely suggests that that is 100% accurate, that those guys are significant upgrades over those two spots. But the argument, then the counter argument is, well, if you keep those guys and whatever the jump is from Edo Smith to Brian Hill or from Foye Ola Kuhn to Jermaine Grace, you could argue that if you keep Hill and Grace, then you can make that similar jump from another position of need at another problem spot, say strong safety, from Jordan Richards to a guy that you could have used a fourth or sixth round pick on in this draft, or a defensive lineman. Again, whatever position of need that you thought the Falcons should have drafted, addressed on day three that they didn't address on day three. And I know some of people thought, you know, getting another D tackle or whatever the case may be, you can make the argument, again, a hypothetical, that that jump you could also make from a current player like a Terrell McClain or Jordan Richards or whatever to uh, a draft pick there. So that's the argument I would make, not saying that that's the right way of looking at it or there's the wrong way what the Falcons did was wrong, but it was just one of those things where if you don't have to use extra assets to solve a problem, don't use extra assets to solve that problem. And that's sort of the problem. But with the, with the how the Falcons handled it, but with both Hill and Grace hopefully back to stay, 
if they, you know, Hill on the roster, Grace on the practice squad, along with Harlow, if they can retain all three of those guys and bring them along into 2019 training camp, to me it's worthwhile because you still get the best of both worlds. You get all three of those guys um, in addition to the Ito Smith and Foye Olakun and whatever their con- future contributions are. So, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, I'm just happy to hear that Thomas Dimitrov and, and Scott Pioli are listening to this podcast and being like, you know, that Aaron Freeman is dead on about, the, you know, keeping Brian Hill and Jermaine Gray. So first opportunity we get, we're going to bring those guys back, and, and they've done that. So, you know, kudos to you, Scott Pioli and Thomas Dimitrov, listening to the uh, this illustrious podcast with your illustrious host, giving you all you know, the right opinions when it comes to Falcons front offices. So, you know, now I just, you know, I just got to keep preaching James Stone, um, you know, they, they signed Stephen Means. I said they should have signed him. I'm trying to think, you know, Cap Cappy, I, I guess now he's the guy that I got to work on them and see if they can get him to, to get the team to sign him uh, to their roster or whatnot. So a couple of guys that, you know, still haven't quite gotten the team to break. Um, but uh, we'll see what we can do by complaining about other roster moves. Uh, so, you know, I know some of you are like, oh, God, you know, locked on Falcons roster moves. Uh, you know, this is the worst part of this podcast, but guess what? You know, Dimitrov and you can think Dimitrov and Pioli, they've given me incentives. So next summer when I'm, you know, railing against this third string roster battle, I'm going to be like, well, you know what's going to end up happening in three months from now, they're going to wind up keeping that guy. And you, you guys are going to sit here and thank me and whatever. No, nah, I'm kidding. But that's what, that's all I want to say. But you know, the point about sort of conserving assets uh, so that you don't have to double dip to solve one problem is sort of the meat of my argument against making a trade for a guy like Carl Joseph or whatever. And we'll get into that in a moment. But I want to let you guys know that your fantasy football season is still going strong, hopefully, and it probably will. You can turn things around or keep that train a rolling. If you tune into the two fantasy football show on the Locked On Podcast Network, the first one is Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7, where you want to stay to uh, get all your injury updates, updates from around the league so that you can make all those waiver wire moves that are going to help you win on Sunday, as well as Locked On Fantasy Football, hosted by Vinny Iyer, where you get a new fantasy expert every day to help you guys win your league. So find those podcasts wherever you get your Locked On Podcasts, your fantasy team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. So let's talk, let's, you know, I, I went on a rant a little bit of uh, yesterday's show. I apologize for that. You know, I, I, I haven't had too many rants this year. I've been trying to cut back on them. Um, but, like... My whole thing is, the bottom line is, I feel like the whole Jordan Richards, we need to upgrade over Jordan. Like, I, I get it. Jordan Richards is not good. He's a D-level player if you're putting a letter grade on him. And it's obvious, I, I understand that people think, like, okay, if you have a D-level player starting for you on your roster, that's an obvious area that you need to upgrade. 
you know, again, if the Falcons wanted to sign a, a guy off the street, I wouldn't have a problem with that. You know, hopefully Sherrod Deespin can be that guy. Um, but to me, trading draft picks for that, I, that's where I'm going to sort of pump the brakes for that, especially for a guy like Carl Joseph, who doesn't have that long-term potential. Um, because to me, the bottom line is, to me, that's treating the symptoms, not the disease. And as I said on yesterday's podcast, the disease for the Falcons is their ability to win in the trenches. That has been what has played them over the years. You go back to almost watch every loss, if not every loss, the 90% of the losses they've had over the last, not only last this year, last year, the year before, the last five years, the last seven years, is because the opposing team was able to control the game in the, in, in the trenches and all the Falcons quarterback play, all their skill position value, talent is sort of negated when they lose that battle and they need to get better there. And that's been my problem with sort of all this talk of Eric Reed or Carl Joseph or whatever, where it's just like, that's not going to help you get better there. And particularly with Carl Joseph and look, full disclosure, uh, I have to say, I was a huge fan of Carl Joseph. Still to this day, I'm a huge fan of Carl Joseph. He was one of the three favorite players I had in that 2016 draft. It was Miles Jack. It was Carl Joseph. It was uh, Sheldon Rankins. Those were my three favorite prospects. Now, obviously, the Falcons wound up with the the great Keanu Neal, who is forever my man crush Monday. But, like, you know, so I'm not disappointed at all that the Falcons didn't get those guys. But it's one of those things where it's like, um, so I'm a big fan of Carl Joseph, so I'm not like anti-Carl Joseph because I don't like him as a player. I like him so much as a player that I don't want him to come to Atlanta where he's just going to basically sit the bench, and that's probably the problem. So let's imagine a scenario where the Falcons go out there and trade for Carl Joseph. They give him a fifth-round pick to the Oakland Raiders to get Carl Joseph. Now, most of you look at that and say you're getting a top 15, former first-round pick, a top 15 pick uh, for a fifth-round pick. Of course, that's worth it. You're getting so much value there. But the problem is, you know, you, you bring in Carl Joseph. Let's say it takes him a week to get up to speed with the team, and then you plug him and play him, and he starts the last eight games of the season at strong safety, and he plays at whatever level that you think he's going to play. Great, wonderful, awesome, solid, whatever it is. Picture that in your head. That's awesome, right? You get the short-term value of getting Carl Joseph to contribute to your team and, and help you win some games but what about the long-term value? And that's where it comes into conflict when you're trading draft picks. You have to think long-term. And so what then happens next year? Well, guess what? You have to make a decision next spring whether or not you're going to pick up Carl Joseph's fifth-year option. Now, you know you're not going to do that because you're going to pick up Keanu Neal's fifth-year option. You're not going to pick up Carl Joseph's fifth-year option unless you're basically like deciding, oh, no, Carl Joseph's going to be our new starting strong safety. And again, I don't know what that fifth-year option is going to be at this current time, but last year's fifth-year option for a safety uh, it was about $6.3 million, so let's assume it's going to be $6.5 million. You're not going to pay a backup if Carl Joseph's going to be Keanu Neal's backup, right? You're not going to give him – you already paid Ricardo unless you're, you know, Unless you're going to be like Carl Joseph is going to be our new free safety and we're getting rid of Ricardo Allen, which I know some of you out there would be like, yeah, that's what we want to do. Um, you know, that's a conversation for another day. But let's assume that Carl Joseph is going to be your strong safety. Um, so if Neil comes back healthy in 2019, which I think most of us hope will happen, right, then what does Carl Joseph do? He just basically plays backup as, a, as special teams. You're like, unless your defense is going to be a new four safety look. Right where you're, you're, you where you're going to have six DBs as your base defense. Instead of playing nickel, you're going to play dime as your base and have Alford and Trufant as your two corners. You'll drop Casey in the slot and Joseph will play back on the back end with Allen and, and Keanu will play up in the box. Which you know, as strategy, I'm not going to necessarily say that's a bad strategy. But unless that's the plan and you're like we're committing to that, no matter what happens, 
then to me, it doesn't make a whole, you're not going to, basically Joseph's not going to play next year, right? So what then happens? Well, because you didn't pick up his fifth year option, 2019 is the final year of his contract. So he walks in free agency and you got to go right back to the well to get that back up to strong, to Keanu Neal at strong safety. And so you basically use the fifth round pick that you could have just used that fifth round pick on that guy that would be the backup, not only in 2019, right? In 2020, in 2021, in 2022. So you're giving up the a potential to address, a, solve an issue for the next three to four years. So you can solve an issue for one and a half, right? And so that to me is where I sort of pumped the brakes on the whole Joseph. Now, it would make sense it would make more sense if the Falcons were say four and two and the short term value of getting Carl Joseph could really mean the difference. Now, you know, I, I'm sure there are again part of the reason why I, I railed against this on uh yesterday's show, but I, there's clearly a, a large percentage of Falcon fans that believe that, you know, if they just upgrade strong safety and they plug in Foyer Olakun, this team is gonna be right back on playoff track and be a playoff team and you know, if you believe that then like they're Clearly, there's nothing I'm going to sit here and tell you that's going to tell you different. And I'm not going to sit here and say that you're outright wrong. I'm just sitting here saying, like, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, and I certainly don't necessarily look at this team as a Carl Joseph away from being a Super Bowl contender. Um, but I'm sure there are people out there that believe that. Um, so, you know, again, there's nothing, there's no argument I can make that's going to convince you otherwise. You you basically, you know, that's what you believe. So I, I won't even try there. But to me, like the short-term gains of getting Carl Joseph, to me, I, I don't think is outweighs the long-term value that you could get by using that pick on a player that could presumably play three or four years. Now, I know part of it is that a lot of people look at fifth-round picks and sixth-round picks and whatever as sort of throwaway picks because the percentage of you hitting on those picks is so low. But you look at the Falcons with their ability to find value on day three – you know, you get Schweitzer, you get Jarrett, you get Campbell, you get Ido Smith, you get Ola Kuhn, right? You get KZ, all these guys. So to me, the attitude of like, oh, those are throwaway picks. Like you're not going to get value out of those picks. To me, is just short-sighted. If your team is good at drafting, and clearly this Falcon team under Dan Quinn certainly is 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 qualifies, um, those picks are worthwhile. Even if it's a backup, even if it's a, a Schweitzer, even if it's an Ola Kuhn, even if it's, you know... Hopefully what I think Sean Harlow is going to be, even if that's a guy that's a, a depth piece for four years, that to me is worth it because th- that value that you're getting in four years over the next four years, instead of, you know, if you draft Joseph or you trade for Joseph, you're going to be back in there using another asset that you can use at another position to try to address that same issue again and going double dipping to, to fix that problem. And to me, the, the short-term value of getting Joseph doesn't outweigh the fact that you're just going to be using another pick at some point or, or some sort of resources to address a position that you could just presumably nip in the bud if you draft the right player or pick the right guy in 2019 in this upcoming spring with that fifth-round pick that you're giving up for Carl Joseph. So that's part of the reason why I'm sort of against the the Joseph trade, uh, you know, or really trading for any strong safety. Like, to me, if you're going to trade future assets, get it to a position, to a spot on your roster in the trenches, the offensive line, the defensive line, that is the disease, not the symptoms. Because again, the problem is like the the metaphor I would use is like Carl Joseph, if you just wait, like it's just like a, a regular cold, you know, it's gonna take some time to kick it, but your immune system's gonna beat that cold eventually. 
right? It just may take longer than you want it to, that if you took some medicine, you could beat it, you know, in two days. But if you just let your immune system fight it, you know, it's going to go away in two weeks. Now, again, you know, you'll be miserable for two weeks or whatever, but I'm just sitting there saying, like, you don't have to go out there and buy the most expensive medicine in this metaphor to, to, to kick that cold. And that's the problem is, like, if you just wait till two more months, guess what? Your strong safety issues, they go away, right? Your linebacker issues, they go away because Deion Jones is coming back. Keanu Neal is coming back. Ricardo Allen is coming back. You don't have to go out there and solve this problem right now because all you got to do is wait. So for me, it's like if you're going to use long-term assets, which is even fifth-round draft picks, have that long-term value, then use it at positions that aren't going to go away if you just be patient. Your defense, like Jonathan Babineau's not walking through that door, guys. You know, John Abraham's not walking through that door if you just wait. You know, so if you're going to use that, then go ahead and use that those those future assets. If you want to trade a fifth-round pick for a, a young guard or a young D tackle or a young D end. You know, that has potential to be a fixture in this rotation for three, four, five years plus, you know, I'm not going to complain about that. You know, using it on a strong safety just so you can upgrade over Jordan Richards. Like, you can upgrade over Jordan Richards with a fifth round pick next year. You know, you don't need to use it on Carl Joseph so that you can have to then use another fifth round pick in two years to have to replace Carl Joseph because he walks out the door as a free agent. Right? You know, you can go out there. Heck, Neesman might be that up that upgraded depth that all you just need to do is give him, you know, the next nine games to see what he can do. And maybe he solves the problem. And then you can use that fifth round pick that you would have used on Carl Joseph uh, in 2019 at another position of need, another D tackle, a tight end, a running back, a wide receiver, whatever, whatever that need is. And so all of a sudden now you can solve two problems. You've just solved two problems by using one asset. Right? Because you just waited to see what Neesman can do. You just waited for Keanu Neal to come back. That's my personal opinion. That's why I'm not in favor of you know what I've been seeing on Twitter as of late. You know, I know I've been taking my break from Twitter, but I'm sitting here, I'm still reading it from time to time. Um, and just seeing, you know, these bad takes out there, in my opinion. Uh, you know, people trying to treat the symptoms and not the disease. So from my perspective, that's why I'm, I wouldn't be necessarily in favor of Carl Joseph coming to Atlanta. If, if some team wants to trade for Carl Joseph, I hope it's a team that not only is going to start him for eight games this season, but also is going to start him for 16 games in 2019 and then be in a position to pay him a lot of money in 2020. That is where I think Carl Joseph should land. That's not Atlanta. They're already committed to Keanu Neal. They're already committed to Ricardo Allen. Presumably, they're going to be committed to Demonte Casey if he continues to play at a high level. You don't need to go out there... And, and pay an arm and a leg to get a, 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 a better fourth safety, right? We all want to upgrade that spot. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm not oblivious to the notion that if you got better play at your strong safety, you would see positive results on your defense. I'm not making the counter argument. But um, giving up future assets just so you can basically get better play out of your strong safety for eight games this season and then have to be in a position to then have to then readdress the issue a year and a half from now, to me, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. That's all I'm saying. So that's what I wanted to say. We'll be back tomorrow to recap this Giants game, get other people's thoughts. I'm I'm sure um, they will have possibly different thoughts. So that's the plan. Probably Friday we'll do a QA and a if everything goes according to plan. Maybe the Falcons will make a, a big, bold move in the next 24 to 48 hours that will change those plans. Maybe the you know trade deadline's coming up. 
we're like you know what six days away from it um so that's on the horizon again i don't think the falcons are going to make a move there but we'll see and then we'll we'll play it by ear with the trade you know bye week we'll have some guests we'll have some q a's we'll do some stuff so if you have suggestions then by all means i'm i'm all ears uh you can send tweets to Falcons fans or locked on falcons that's the show's twitter handle uh, Facebook, Locked on Falcons is the name of that page. And the email address is lockedonfalcons at mail.com. And you can leave a comment at falcons.com where the show is posted daily. So until then, guys. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked on Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.